This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Happy Father's Day, dads. Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's give it up for our dads today. Let's give them a little bit of encouragement. Dads, we love you. You are doing a good job, and you need to hear it, because I tell you, I've been to too many Father's Day sermons in other churches where it's like, on Mother's Day, Mom, you're great. We love you. You're the best. On Father's Day, it's like, Dad, why aren't you home more? Why aren't you with the kids more? Love Jesus. Raise your kids. You're the head of the house. We're not going to do that today. Dads, we love you. We want to encourage you. God has a plan for you. God is moving in your life, in your family, whether you're a dad, a granddad, an uncle, a friend that has influence in kids. I want you to know you matter, and we love you. We love you. And we have an incredible day today. I'm so excited about what God's doing in our community right now. We're going to do things a little bit different today. Last week, I shared with you that we, we as a church, we aren't so much a building that people who gather together to sing a few songs and hear someone uh, tell some stories and talk about God. But at the church, we believe that we are a movement of people on a mission. And here's our mission. We want to know and love and serve God. And then as an outpouring of knowing and loving and serving God, we want to love and know and serve other people. And today we get the opportunity to hear about some incredible men who are knowing and loving and serving God and knowing and loving and serving other people. And my heart is full today because this morning at 6.30, we sent off 34 people from within our church to head down to Mexico. They know, they love, and they're serving God, and they're heading to Mexico to work in an orphanage and to build a couple houses for some families whose houses burnt down in a horrible tragedy recently. And it's incredible. I'm so excited for them. Uh, I want you to know that you actually have a part in what they're doing right now because your financial support to the church and to them is supporting them to go on this trip and because we found out that towels are a major need in India in the area that we're going. So we said, hey, New Life, could we get some towels to send down to Mexico? And you guys brought in over 300 towels. There was an entire truck full of suitcases full of towels. It was incredible. It was really exciting. Uh, and so they're gone for a week. We're going to pray for them uh, as the service goes on today because they will be traveling throughout the entire day today, working all week. They'll be back with us this coming Sunday. And the other thing that we have today is we have two of my good friends, John Gabriel uh, and Ebby Thomas, who are joining us all the way from Kerala, southern India. And they're here with us today, and uh, they're going to come up on stage in a few minutes. They are the ones who, uh, who lead uh, with a group of people an incredible mission in India that has a school with over 2,000 students in it, has an orphanage, has planted over 40 churches in southern India, has a Bible college that's training pastors to know and love and serve God and then to serve people. They are incredible men. John founded this mission 30 plus years ago, and Ebby is coming into the mission as a key leader for the next stage of the mission. And so they're going to come up on stage, and we're going to do two things. In just a second, we're going to show a video. Uh, and then after that, Pastor Ron and John and Ebby and I are going to sit around a table together, and we're going to talk about the mission for a little while. And then I thought how fun it would be, since it's Father's Day, since I've got two grown, grown men, as opposed to children raising kids, two grown men who have grown children, and their children all, get this, all of their children know and love and serve God, 
and still love their dads. And that's, that's a win in my book. So I thought, since they're here, I'm going to sit down with them for coffee because I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and I want to know how to help my kids love God through their entire lives and still want to be with me when they're grown-ups. And I thought, well, if I want to know that, maybe you want to know that. So we're going to sit around here and kind of have some coffee talk. I will be the only one drinking coffee, but I will be having coffee talk. They will be having talk. Uh, and uh, we're just going to ask them some questions. What did you do? What did you do to help your kids know and love and serve Jesus and then to still want to be with you now that they are adults? Because I think there are some similarities. Whether you live in Kerala or Iowa, whether you live in India or Petaluma, there are some similarities that help us figure out what it looks like to raise children who love God, who love us. And on Father's Day, man, that's the biggest win for us. If we can raise kids who love God and still want to be with us, I think we've done pretty good as dads. So what I'd like to do right now is show you a video to give you a little background about the mission in India, and then we're going to invite up our friends. And so after the video is over, would you just give them a big new life welcome as they come up on the stage? Take a look at this video. This is India, one-third the size of the U.S., yet with three times our population, more than one billion people, 17 major languages with hundreds of dialects, a land of contrasts and surprises. It's an amazing transition to fly 10,000 miles from the United States to Kerala in southern India, stepping into a social and religious culture very foreign to most Americans, yet meeting hundreds of vibrant Christians whose Bible knowledge is equal or sometimes even superior to ours. This contrast looks back to 1966 when John Gabriel returned to Kerala after a two-year education in California. It was in Arcata, California, that Jesus Christ first became real to him. John's vocation was business, but his growing avocation became leading his people to Christ. Later, in 1982, when Doyle Farnsworth, John's mentor and friend, suddenly died, John devoted his total energies to ministry, establishing Kerala Christ Church Mission in Pampati. Today, the mission has 30 congregations in nearby villages and cities with trained leadership in each church. Construction and land costs average about $25,000 for each church building, Preachers can be supported full-time for approximately $200 per month. These growing congregations have gained community awareness and acceptance in Kerala, where Christianity in any form is claimed by only 20% of the people. With assistance from visiting U.S. teachers, ministers and associate workers are trained to lead in these congregations and establish new ones. In 1984, John and Kunima Gabriel also opened an English school where children could receive a quality education while learning the English language, both a priority in Kerala. The school began with only 32 children. Contributions from American Christians have funded property and buildings that now enable 2,000 children from kindergarten through 12th grade to gain a quality education and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Scholarships for needy children can be provided at only $10 per month per child or $100 per year. 
The Children's Village for Orphans and Needy Kids started in 2003 with 17 children from unfortunate circumstances. Liz, the Gabriel's younger daughter, directs the village with a staff of qualified helpers. As the village grew, it became necessary to form two homes, one for boys and one for girls. In 2005, ground was broken for a girls' dorm. Besides housing 50 children, this facility also has living quarters for short-term mission helpers. It was dedicated in 2006. In February 2011, ground was broken for the boys' dorm with the goal of being completed in October 2011. $40,000 is needed to complete the project. Ongoing care for these children is done through donations. Many generous individuals are sending $30 per child per month for that support. When you assist an orphan, a student, or a preacher, you are reaching into pagan communities with Christ's love and forgiveness, changing lives. When you contribute to a church building, an orphan home, or a school building, you are establishing a lasting base from which the message of Christ can continue to grow His wonderful kingdom. You join me in welcoming up John and Ebby and our own Pastor Ron. And Ron has been pastoring with uh, Pastor John and the mission in India for. 30-plus years, right? Almost since the beginning? Yeah, the first time we went was in 1986. 1986. And so I've asked Ron to, to interview uh, John and Ebby a little bit to hear. That video was taken in 2011, what God's been doing since then and what plans they have moving forward. And then we'll move into some Q&A for Dad's Day. Okay, dokie. So let me inter- first of all, this is John. And uh, John is a, a wonderful friend of 39 years. I remember... The first time I met John, I stood on the steps of a small church I was pastoring in North Portland, and he looked me in the eyes and said, would you come to India someday? And I looked at him and said, yes, and never thought for a moment I would ever be in India. <laughs> I just couldn't Pastor imagine. Promise. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just yeah. couldn't imagine that that would happen. And uh, so in 1986, we went for the first time, and a little known fact, um, any Anybody watching the World Cup right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the first time I went to India, on the way from the airport to his house, John said, "Uh, do you like athletics? I said, yeah, I love athletics. He said, you want to watch the World Cup with me? He said, yeah, sure. He said, well, there's only a couple of TVs in town. And the game starts at 11 o'clock at night, gets done about 1 or 2 in the morning. So we would go to his house every night. We would go to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock. We would wake up at 11 o'clock, get on his motorcycle, ride into town to, to one of about a half a dozen TVs in the whole town, and we sat around the living room and watched the World Cup together. So John and I have been around a long time, and uh, we love doing ministry together. Um, this is Abby, and uh, a wonderful friend of mine. I can tell you he's a great host in, 19, in uh, 2008, I believe. Lisa and I went to India to work for a couple of weeks, and we were privileged to stay in his home and his wife's home, and we had just a great time. 
And as Kevin just said, he's one of the emerging leaders in that ministry. And so I'm just going to uh, ask a couple of questions. Um, John, tell us about something that recently, any recent developments in the mission there that you're really excited about? First of all, I want to say uh, to uh, say the greetings from all the Christians from India. And uh, I'm very thankful to all of you to be here. Uh, the excited things we have right now because we have expanded the mission work from Kerala to other two states. When we say about the state, state is a kind of different country to us. So we started in Tamil Nadu and in Andhra Pradesh, uh, the mission work. Okay, and though, as opposed to the United States, there are different languages spoken in those two states, yeah, correct? Yeah. So, uh, all together, how many congregations are you working with? Uh, about 40 to 43 congregations. Wow. That's wow. amazing. Okay, so, Abby. Um, what are you excited about current, what you currently do with the mission? Um, I right now work with the preachers. I visit the churches that we have. And uh, on Sundays, that is on Sundays that we visit. Uh, so that is the one thing that I do. And I encourage the preachers when they come to the church also. So, so you go to one of those 40-some uh -huh. congregations uh -huh. every... Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. With your wife and your daughter, yes. right? The, as a family. We go uh -huh. together as a family and visit with them. And so that they also, uh, they share their needs. If they need anything from the mission, they would let us know. And so uh, we, uh, that's one way to get connected to the preachers and the uh, believers there. Yeah. Terrific. Thank you. Yeah. Um, John... What, what's a challenge that your mission is currently facing? In, in the state of Kerala, uh, we are facing the hard, hard thing to get the young people to be educated in uh, Bible because everybody wants to study the IT and get a real good job and make money, you know. That is a big challenge to us. So your big challenge is raising up Christian leaders in the church. In the church, yeah. Wow. So, um, Abby, I know that during, during the day, your daytime job is to run a hospital, right? Yes. Sir. Right? And then you do all these volunteer things with the mission. Um, what do you see as the key to being able to raise up these new leaders? Um, it's, uh, we were happy to have a youth camp recently, and uh, also during the uh, camp that we had in October, we had, uh, this time around, we had a lot of youngsters who came in, so that was something, and uh, what I thought was the sports that we have, like cricket, we just encouraged everybody to come in and have a game of cricket. So that brought in a lot of youth, and we had an opportunity of Kevin playing cricket, and I think he yeah. also was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My team won. He won the game. I won the That's right. We can say that because that happened in India. So 
So yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a walking boot cast on yeah. and a dothi, which is a wrap that I pulled up like this. It was quite the sight to see. It's quite the sight. Yeah, yeah. We took pictures from the waist up that day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just trying to imagine running a youth camp here around crickets. <laughs> nice. That would be a big challenge. Yeah, that would be a big challenge. Well right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's great to have you guys here, and I know we would love to spend a whole lot more time. But here's what we're going to do. Um, in the lobby, you're going to see, and I want to introduce one other friend to you because he'll be important to you. Tom, would you stand up, please? This is Tom Burgess, and he's he and Kevin Finkbeiner are the only two senior pastors I've ever had in my life. So would you give a new life welcome to Tom? Tom's going to be out in the lobby by one of the kiosks, and there's a couple of ways in which uh, those of us here can get involved uh, with the work in India other than what is really important that you would pray and that you would know that the ongoing contributions you make to our church, um, a portion of those eventually find their way to India and get used in, in that work. But if you wanted to sponsor one of the orphans in that orphanage, you can do that for $30 a month. And Tom has uh, some pictures of orphans there, and you can actually, uh, quote, adopt one of those. Um, if you want to be a little more uh, rambunctious for 150 or $200 a month, or if two or three families wanted to go together, you could actually sponsor a preacher, uh, and, and a new congregation could be planted, and that's a key part of starting a new congregation is being able to pay the preacher to be on site so, so that they can be going out into the community and drawing people in. So those are two uh, very uh, tangible ways that you and I can be involved. Tom will be out there at a kiosk in the middle. I'll have John and Abby with me. We'll be by the, we'll be by the door. We won't let you out till you give us a hug. So that's how that works, all right? Thanks. Well, I thought we could take a minute and pray for uh, John and pray for Abby and pray for the mission. So would you join me? Let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what a gift it is to be here with Christian friends from around the world who you have done something in each of us to draw us together, and that is you've called us to yourself. Your incredible love and grace and forgiveness drew us into your presence and changed our lives. And, and now we get to sit here and be encouraged by the work you're doing in southern India through these men and through so many others. And we pray that this would be an encouragement for John and Ebby as they travel for the next two and a half months uh, to churches all around the United States, that they would be encouraged uh, to see what you're doing here and the ways that we can partner with them. We pray that you would give them favor with the Indian government to continue to grow and develop and expand the mission and the ministry. Uh, we pray that through the work that they're doing, uh, that many, many more would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So yes, like Ron said, you can, you can go out there and get tons of information. Some other things that are some needs is uh, the principal of the school said that they need computers. So if you would like to donate to uh, get a computer uh, for the mission, you can take your Connect card. There's an envelope inside there, and then there's an other category. So uh, above and beyond our tithes and offerings, you could give an extra gift to that. You could just write India Mission, and we could get some computers for the schools. Also, uh, the orphanage needs a washer and dryer because during the monsoon season, there's just a ton of laundry to be done, and you can't really hang your clothes outside to dry. So if you would like to uh, help fund that, you could write India Mission, or you could write washer and dryer, and we will uh, get those funds over to the mission as well. 
Well, like I said, I was just thinking, I've got these, these three incredible guys up here. Ebby has a 13-year-old girl, and she currently is just uh, beaming with life, loves the Lord, travels with dad and mom all the time to the mission and to the churches throughout southern India. She loves God. She loves you. We've got John here, and John has raised two daughters. One, his youngest, works in the orphanage. You saw her on the video. She leads the orphanage. Uh, John's oldest daughter leads the Christian school, which has 2,000-plus students in it, and she's the principal and director of that. Uh, They both know and love God, and they love dad. They want to work with dad in ministry, and we think that's a great gift. And then Pastor Ron has three grown children, two of them who live here. One of them is our very own Pastor Angela, who oversees our life groups and a number of other ministries. Uh, Lisa, who's part of our church, who leads our construction zone ministry with our elementary age students. And then they have a son named Anthony, who lives in Hawaii, who is serving in ministry and absolutely loves his family as well. So I thought, my goodness, Three guys who have common results, who live and grew, raise their children on different sides of the earth. There's got to be some commonalities there. So I wanted to just do a Q&A. And in your uh, teaching notes, we just have some questions, and then we have some space for you to write down any tips and insights that you get, because our hope would be that you would be encouraged. Whether you're a, a mom, a dad, a grandmother, a grandfather, aunt, uncle, whether you want to have kids someday, or you simply want to invest your life in raising up the next generation, we trust that this will be a great time for you. So pull out those teaching notes. You can just write down anything that really grabs you. And I'm going to just pass some questions along to each of you. Ron, the first question is for you. Uh, Jesus says something really interesting in John chapter 17. He looks at his disciples and he says, my prayer, my prayer is not that God would take you out of the world, but that he would protect you from the evil one while you live in this world. And Ron shared with us a number of times that he was raised in a pretty legalistic background. And basically what that boils down to is there's only one rule in the church. And the rule is don't, okay? Don't have fun. Don't do anything that would engage with anything because the world is bad. The church is good. Shelter in, stay close, bunker down until Jesus comes back. Ron broke out of that tradition, and, uh, and you raised your kids in a society where the world says, do, do everything you can, be in as many sports, as many extracurriculars, uh, have as much fun, as much experience as you can. And the pendulum has swung the other direction in most of the places where you've done ministry to where people raise their kids and they can't figure out why their kids look so much like everyone else's kids and why their kids don't really have any desire to know Jesus. And so my question for you, Ron, is simply this. How did you manage that tension? of wanting your kids to have a well-rounded childhood where they weren't totally protected from the world, uh, where they didn't become kind of these socially awkward, whatever, adults who were not adjusted. But at the same time, uh, how did you help them not look just like everyone else? So how did you manage that tension of letting them live in the world and stay connected to Christ? I would say that that is easily one of the biggest challenges that I've ever personally faced and that the Christians that I know of face today. Uh, it's, re- it's relatively easy to raise a Christian family if you just sort of build a, uh, a, a little Christian enclave that you live in. Um, and so uh, I, there are three or four things that are really important, and they're not hard to understand. But I would say right up front, they require you to make difficult decisions. It's not the understanding. It's the doing. Okay. Uh, the first thing was Monica and I got on the same page. We sat down. We had a talk together when our kids were very, very young, and we said, how are we going to do this? What are going to be the most important things that we can get across to our children 
And how are we going to do that? What does that look like in our family? And what does that look like in our family life? Uh, and it actually came down to one principle. And it's a principle you could learn in any time management uh, seminar. It's, it's, it's the number one thing that, that you will learn in that setting. But it actually applies uh, to parenting. We, we ask ourselves this question. Let's list in priority what the most important values are we could communicate to our children. And so we looked at each other and said, what, what is it? The number one value came down to God. If we raised our children and they didn't have a vibrant walk with God, no matter what they did in life, Monica and I would have felt like that somehow we failed in that regard. That's good. So we started with that. And then we said, what's next? And we said, actually, family is next. And then what was next? We said education was next. And then what was next? And then we said, you know, uh, all the experiences, extracurricular activities and those sorts of things. Then we took our schedule and said, if God's going to be number one, what does that look like in our family schedule? And for us, it meant that we made the difficult decision that we would never enroll our children in sports that took them out of church. We just wouldn't do it. Because sports was down here, and the church, and God was up here. And all of our kids loved athletics, and they all played athletics, but, but we made the difficult decision. It actually wasn't a hard decision to make once you get your priorities right. Mm -hmm. The decision sort of made itself. And I would say that was the single biggest key to having our children in the world and circulating in the world and socially mainstream and influencers wherever they went, uh, but without being drawn away and having the wrong priorities in life. That's really good. So set your priorities and then let your schedule flow towards your priorities as opposed to setting your schedule and hoping your priorities somehow fit into it. That's the exact principle. Right That's there. great. That's great. Which leads me to ask you a question, John. You spent your life forming what you thought was going to be one church initially, which now is 42 churches, an orphanage, a school, and a Bible college. And you've spent your life serving God and growing that. By anyone's standards, you must have been busy. Would you say that you were busy? Yeah, he was busy. Okay, that's good. A lot of our parents feel busy. They feel busy with work and, and pressure and um, parenting and marriage and all sorts of things, ministry. Were there routines that you set up in your family's weekly and daily life to help your family stay connected to each other and stay connected to God? I, uh, I believe God is done everything for me, you know, to raise the family because uh, uh, we spend together uh, for the God's work most of the times, you know. So I, uh, we used to take our children with us when we go to the Bible class and uh, uh, the public meetings and everything. And uh, so they, I, my prayer was only that I wanted my daughters completely in the mission field because um, in our country, a lot of children, they, they like to get education and get a good job and make a uh, lot of money, you know. So, but... Uh, uh, I, I believe God has heard my request and uh, I started to teach them about uh, how, how to pray to God 
and uh, how to be brave or courage to face the world so we had a ca- kind of very good you know friendship and uh, 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 we treated our children as friends and as school teachers and as pastor uh, so uh, everything combined and uh, they they realized that they wanted to serve god that was the best thing we ever could achieve from uh, our life so i praise the lord for that always you know that's awesome my daughters are with me in the mission field almost all the time so uh, as a family we were together almost all the time you know that's so neat so it sounds like what you you did was you said you know your priority was to serve god and and be in the mission field but rather than leaving your kids out and saying okay kids you stay home dad's going to a church meeting dad's going to these things you invited them into the journey with you to serve with yes. you in ministry and to partner which raised them up to want to serve in ministry because it was fun and they saw God working that's a that's a great thing how about you Abby you've got a 13 year old at home she's a teenager now she's starting that <laughs> unique stage in life where they kind of grow horns and do all sorts of crazy stuff and uh-huh. Are there things that you do on a daily basis to to stay connected to her and to help her stay connected to God? Stay connected. We have our daily devotions okay. early in the morning. And then, as John said, we have small life groups every week. So we try to go together as a family for all these uh, church affairs. Mm-hmm. And so that keeps the family together. And she knows that that is what uh, is the best thing for her to be connected with god mm-hmm. so that's how I, i try to help her out that's great that's really good uh, we have a number of parents in here who are at the grandparent stage now you've got grown kids or your kids have left for college and they're starting a new phase in life so i have a question both for ron and john because you've walked through this how does your role as a dad change as your kids grow up ron we'll start with you how does your role as a father change as your kids move from childhood to adulthood um well you actually go through a number of phases when they're in your home and i i won't go through each of those phases other than to say that when they're young i mean really young uh two and below you're really working on obedience training okay because if you lose the battle there it's really hard to win any, any of the later ones um but then when your children get to be teenagers um you're not working on obedience training at that point you're working on a deep relationship building okay because to whatever degree they love and respect you they will listen to you and they will not only listen to you they will come to you and ask you to speak into their life uh and that's huge and then when they leave your home they will continue to come back and ask you and that, i remember the day that Eris and Lisa called us and said uh, are you guys going to be in Petaluma long term we said yeah this this is god's call for us and they said okay well we want to move up to petaluma and i'll never forget the reason they gave they said because we want to raise our children around you mm-hmm. um and they said we want you to speak into our children's lives and that was a new model for us because we never the closest we lived to either of our parents monica and me was about 1200 miles So our parents had little or no input into our children's lives. And and so this was a brand new experience for us and having three grandchildren live right across the driveway. I love that. 
that's pretty good stuff. So uh, yeah, the same things that we worked on with our kids, we'd work on with our grandkids as well. That's really neat. So almost it seems like the proof is in the pudding. As they leave, if you formed that deep relationship, they desire to have you speak into their life because you can't, I would assume, you can't really force that at that point. If, you, if they don't want you to speak into their life, you can't do it. What, what do you do as a parent if you don't have that relationship with your grown children? Are there things you can do to still be able to love and encourage and partner with them if you haven't had that trust built in the teen years? One of my dear friends when we lived in Portland, Oregon, uh, the whole time he was raising his six children, he was a functioning alcoholic, mm. which meant he went to work every day, had a good job, but every night he got drunk. Um, and when his youngest daughter was in junior high, he finally woke up and said to himself, as he would say, I'm an idiot. Mm. I've, I've wasted all these years. So he got his life right with God. He went and got help with his addiction. And, and, and as he said to me, he said, Ron, the goal of my life is to spend the rest of my life leading my six children to Christ. Um, and w- when we came here 17 years ago, he had led five out of the six to Christ. Now, how he did that was not by preaching to them. He began to build a personal relationship with each one of them. And when he reached a point where they loved and trusted and respected him, then he could speak into their life about Christ. And when they saw the big change in his life, they understood it was for real. And that's what I would say. You can't speak until you build that relationship. And you would say that as we pray and ask God to move in our lives and in the hearts of the children that we've raised, if we have a torn relationship, that he can restore and rebuild that relationship. Absolutely. He wants to and certainly has the power to. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, time flies when you're having fun, and I'm having a lot of fun, but our time is quickly coming to a close. So I, I just I want to close with one more uh, question for, for both John and Ron, and we're going to start with you, John. Being a dad can be a tough job. It can be a very tough job and oftentimes a thankless job. Like I shared earlier, Mother's Day is all about praising moms, and Father's Day is oftentimes about chiding dads, which is why dads say on Father's Day, I'd rather stay home and have a barbecue. If you had one, one word just to encourage our dads today, what would you say to encourage them? I, uh, my daughter says, Father is not tough. So they they can be not tough, you know. (laughs) So I think if we have the you know real you know friendly way, and at the same time uh, we punish our children and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we instruct them uh, everything, but we keep our real friendship with them, you know. I think they they would love us, you know. Uh, and uh, as the main thing, we have to have Jesus first in their life and our life. You know. And everything else flows out of there. Yeah, That's sure. great. Thanks. So, so I believe all the blessings are automatically coming into our life by God. You know. That's great. Which goes back, I didn't know we were going to hammer so heavy here, but that goes back to our priorities. What are our priorities? And then how do we allow our schedule and our relationships to flow out of those? And if... Jesus is the singular focus and our main priority, then all these other pieces tend to fall into place. Ron, would you have a last word of encouragement to our dads out there this morning? Yeah, sure. I, I want to close by quoting 
uh, a pastor friend of mine, and then Michael Jackson. How's that for a combo? Thanks for making the distinction there. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Uh, A pastor friend of mine said to me one time, he said, Ron, you need to understand this. You teach your children by what you say to them, but you train them by who you are. And in spite of your best efforts to get your children to grow up and do what you teach, they will inevitably grow up to do what you've trained them to do. And um, so who you are is more important than what you say. Which is why Michael Jackson said, I know where you're going. Yes. I like that. You're, if you want to make the world a better place, you better check the man in the mirror. That's right. Because your kids, chances are, will grow up to be like that guy. I feel like that would be even more powerful if you sang that to us. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Would you be willing to, to do that? No? Yeah. Maybe in the lobby. Yeah, maybe. If okay. Justin will dance, will you sing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That would be a combo right there. That would be a combo. Keep them coming back. Keep them yes. coming back. Well, I want to talk to us for a second because I woke up this morning uh, with a deep gratitude for my own father. I love my dad, uh, Mike Finkbeiner. I grew up saying I want to be like Mike. I want to be a principal like my dad because he was everything I, I wanted a dad to be. But when I woke up this morning, this, this thought ran into my mind. As much as I love my dad, and he is a great man, I have learned so much about what it means to be a dad as I've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I began to see God as a heavenly father. Because as, as, as good as my dad was, and as good or as bad as your father on earth has been to you, he's no match for a perfect heavenly father who loves you and knows you, who sees every tear that falls from your face, who knows every joy and hope and dream that you have, and even has hopes and dreams beyond what you can see right now in this place. And if I could leave you with one thing, this is what I would want to leave you with. If you don't yet know God like that, as a loving, personal, heavenly Father who has hopes and dreams and plans for your life, I want to give you a chance to do that today. We celebrated communion a few minutes ago, and in communion we remember that, that Jesus looked down from heaven to earth and saw that sin had separated us from God, our heavenly Father. And Jesus paid the ultimate price. He gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so we could be forgiven, so we could enter back into a relationship with a God who loves us and knows us and has a plan for us. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray in just a second, and I want to give you a chance to do that. I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus because that will change not only your Father's Day as you enter into a relationship with a perfect heavenly Father, but it will change your life from this point forward and it will change your eternal destiny because the Bible says that as we come to God, He forgives us, He restores us, He heals us, He brings us back into relationship and He prepares a place for us in heaven so that we can live for eternity with Him. If you're ready to make that decision, I'm going to ask us to pray right now and then I'm going to ask you to repeat a simple prayer of commitment Uh, where you would say, yes, I want this life that God's offering me. I want to have a relationship with him. So would you bow your heads? Would you join me? And I'm going to start by praying for all of us, and then I'm going to pray specifically for you to make that decision. Lord, I look out at my friends this morning, and I see men and women who, who deeply, deeply want to live the life, raise the families that you have created us to live and to have. And I know in a room this size, there's some joy on Father's Day about the dads that we had, about the dads that we are, about the husbands that we've married. And I know in a room this size, there's some pain around Father's Day about the dad who wasn't there, 
about the dad that you haven't been, about the husband and the father you hoped he would be. And I want to ask right now, Holy Spirit, that for those of us who today is a joyful day, that you would increase that joy, that today would be a day of celebrating and honoring dads for all that they have done. And I want to pray right now, Holy Spirit, for those of us who are here, and today is a painful day for any number of reasons. I want to ask God that you would be faithful and true to what you say, which is that you can heal the broken places in our lives. And I want to ask for that healing. I pray for the dad here today who, who doesn't feel like he's worth being forgiven because of the things that he did, the choices he made, the mistakes he made. I pray that he would know your deep forgiveness as he draws close to you. And I pray that you would help him to look for ways to restore relationship with his kids. I pray for the, the son or daughter here today who there may be some pain around Father's Day, that you, would, that you would do two things, that you would bring healing in that and that you would remind them that uh, as flawed as their earthly father may have been, that he is a person, he is a man who was trying, that there would be forgiveness extended, and that ultimately that each person who's grieving would know you as their perfect heavenly father, who never made a mistake, uh, who never hurt them, who desires simply to walk with them in relationship. And as we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And you can do that by simply praying a prayer of commitment. This isn't the end of the road. This prayer of commitment is simply the beginning of the road where you acknowledge today that you want to enter into this relationship with a God who loves you and who has a plan for you. So if you're ready to make that decision, you can, you can repeat these words after me. Either whisper them where you're sitting or just say them in your head. And you can repeat these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you love me so much that you left heaven and came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then gave your life freely on a cross. And in that simple act, you paid the penalty for my sin once and for all. And in that act, you invited me to enter back into a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And Jesus, I believe that when you rose from the dead, you broke the power of sin and pain and death and destruction forever. And today I say yes. Yes, I want this relationship that you're offering to me. And yes, I want you. So would you come, Lord? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you forgive me of my sin? And would you show me what it looks like to walk every day from this day forward into eternity? And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.